Yo, what's going on, Luxury Boy CEO? You already know what's going on if you're out there. Thanks for continuing listening. Well, today I'm going to do something different. I'm going uh, to give you a glimpse into my life and kind of like a book, but on, you know, a verbal side. I may can explain it better than I can tell it. So this part of the series is going to be called Growing Up Lost. And the first part I shall begin off by telling a little bit of my background and where I came from, just in case I didn't really know. And um, I hope you can enjoy and probably uh, find some parts into the story that you can identify within your life. Remember, when we express ourselves or read books, it's not always to be telling someone about us. It can also be an experience that you have went through or something that you have accomplished or achievement in life that we all go through. So we all like to celebrate the good or the bad depending on how we all take it. But what we're not going to do is let nobody else problems get in the way of of ours, we can just understand what they're going through and hope that they strive through and be greatness. So I start mine off with the clearly point of where I can remember growing up as a child. Growing up as a child, I didn't really have my father, didn't really have too many family members to tell me from right or wrong. So I was born about 1975 and I was brought up in a world that most black men didn't even make it or achieve to accomplish anything in life because all we knew was survive and, and keep going just, a, just for another day. We wasn't taught to uh, try to do something in life in general. So here I stand at this age trying to find myself and trying to find ways and other ways to maintain generation wealth because it's hard to build an empire when you know something's given to them so and if you understand where I'm coming from you know you know just tap in chime in and, and don't be as afraid to talk you know so anyway yeah so I grew up around came from Brooklyn and all I can remember was like really traveling around I couldn't really actually remember uh, going to any schools as a child, uh, going to any family functions as a child. So that made me kind of dysfunctional. Not in a bad way, but in a standoffish way to where I was alright with not dealing with anybody. I was alright with not going around people. I was alright, period, just being alone. You know, no one should never be stuck with the fact that they're all right being alone because everyone is a partner. You understand? You even see a goldfish that's in the swimming tank. He would die without another fish inside there. Doesn't necessarily need say he need one. Matter of fact, it's a fact. You don't necessarily need a partner in life if you want to be successful and, and, and do good. You know what I mean? So, yes, we do need a partner. And uh, if we're not taught that, guess what we do? We'll run away from that. 
So I found myself doing that time and time. So here I go, coming from Brooklyn. Now I end up in the Bronx somewhere. I don't know. Within different schools. Don't know. I just know my mom's was different, moving from place to place. And it didn't really sit well with me or probably my other family members because we never got a chance to get to know no one. You know, so it's like once we get right here, we get up and move. Once we get up, we get to here, we move. But what I can say about my mother was that she always kept us somewhere to live. And it wasn't for a long time. So I don't know how she did it or how she handled it. She handled it. And uh, to where we got to, I ended up from Fordham Road to living in River Park Towers. From River Park Towers, I ended up living in Highbridge. And that's why I say I solidify, I was raised that and yeah, and, and it all happened from that area. So you might as well say I moved in the Highbridge around 82-ish something, I don't know, I don't really remember. But I know I was young, seen a lot of stuff, seen a lot, met a lot of people during my journey of living in these projects, you know, seen a lot of stuff. A lot of famous people come from around this area. But it's like, if you don't find your notch in life, you will never know what you're expected to do and what is the outcome. So, yeah, I partake the part in that in life of not knowing what's going to be my next move. Who's going to help me? Who should I help? You know? So we all just tend to be selfish and not even the fact of being selfish is the fact that we wasn't taught no other way wasn't taught no other way and um it ends up looking bad once we get of age to understand that we were supposed to be taught these necessity and tools so that way we can pass it down to our children our child or children what have you you know, you don't want to just have a child in the world and be unknowledgeable to the fact that they was just here and they was born and you're living. And that's the thing I think my moms did with us. She just made it to a fact of, hey, we're here now, you're living. Be comfortable and satisfied with that. Which was never satisfying to me because I always wanted more. I always wanted more, but I was shown less. You know, coming up as a child, knowing what you want to do, and pardon me, because I'm rolling up. This is a live book. If I was to write this, it would be going this and then like that without the sound in the background. So pardon me. But yeah, we had never showed nothing, so we stuck. And uh, I always wanted to do good. Ever since I went to school, all my teachers used to say, look, you know, you, you're going to be something. You're going to be a great person. You're going to be something when you grow up. They didn't know what it was exactly. I didn't know what it was, but I had an idea of me being successful. I never wanted to uh, I never wanted to work for nobody So I know that was a factor And if I can always Take my way from that mm, Yeah I worked that But growing up No father structure No man structure No uncles I had an uncle He would come around Periodically To To see what he could get basically You know See what he could get He wasn't that Man figure that we looked up to. We looked upon him because he was there, but it was nobody to look up to. Like, you know, so 
we probably all go through these situations like, damn, we want somebody to look up to in life, and and it doesn't happen. So and and, and you know, and I I go through these problems myself. I love my sons, I love my daughters, but I still go through this problem myself because I wasn't taught no other way. And some things you can't be taught because they have to be instilled in you as a child. So that way you can come up and, and know the feeling and, and know the feeling of not wanting to hurt nobody and know the feeling of not being hurt really fucks you over. So I've been hurt a lot, went through a lot of stuff in life, seen a lot of things. And still retain myself and not came out an addict or addicted to any type of drugs or, you know. But as my way in hybrids came, I still was lost and didn't really mess with nobody. And I still found my way to get into bad trouble but good trouble because I always didn't have nobody tell me, don't do that. And the things that I seen, I thought it was alright to do it. Because at this point, I said, fuck it, you know. I ain't got no money. And robbery became cool around the time when I was starting to run the streets. So I became a stick-up kid. So what I was doing, I was robbing the cab drivers. They wouldn't come in the park, the driveways. Yeah, so if anybody in the project want to know, yeah, I was robbing the cab drivers. And they were scared to come in the drive in the parkway. They would never drive. Oh, you going in the drive through? They're not going back there. You know what I mean? So they know what time it was. Not going frying that, you know. You know what it is. But also, so I started doing that. But first I started off always wanting to get money. Uh, uh, I remember I used to just buy these little toys when I lived on Fordham Road before we uh, moved to... Uh, University Highbridge. Um, I used to buy these little metal toys and take them and sell them for more than what they was worth. So I always knew that I can sell anything. So once I got to Highbridge, uh, I, it was a couple of guys that was there getting a lot of stuff that, you know, single parents and their parents was working. And my mom didn't really work. She was more just like a hustler's type of person or just... You know, any way you can get it type person. You know what I mean? So, I didn't really learn too much from her at all. I seen her. So, whatever I seen. Just like being in my hood, they said, the OGs in the hood, they're supposed to teach you stuff. The OGs in my hood, they didn't teach me anything. But I did observe and watch them and learn how to be successful without... Doing the bullshit before I started doing it. I did the bullshit. I did a lot of it. But that's because I didn't know right. So we all get caught up doing the wrong shit. Trying to be right. You know what I mean? So shout out to you if you're out there listening. You know, as I continue on. So once we move to Highbridge. I start selling papers. I start pumping gas. I start doing anything to uh, to get money. You know what I mean? Anything to get money. I always knew I had that in me, so... Still... I still in my neighborhood. I still feel like I'm left out for some reason, because... I'm not getting... I'm, I'm getting along with people, but I'm not adjusting. I'm not adjusting because I know I'm different. Not taking away from nobody, but when you know you're different, 
and you feel it in your blood and you can't do nothing about it. And if God eventually takes over and lets you know that you're different. And this is what he's doing for me now. So I'm able to share my story. So people from my neighborhood, they happen to run across the podcast, you know. I was always one of the gifted ones. I was always the one of the ones that shifted away from the situation. Even though being looked down upon as an outcast or a Cassidy or however you want to look at it. I was one. I was the guy. I was the guy that the old ladies liked. I was the guy that the old ladies called to go to the store for. You know what I mean? I was very lovable. But guess what comes with that? The hate. So I was young, seeing stuff going on. And hybrids, that's my time go by. So I say from 1989, I left Hybrids in 89. Mm-hmm. 1989, I was 14. I seen a lot of shit go down. That dudes would see because they was in the house. They wouldn't see. They was in the house. I seen Scarlett Rock get shot. I seen right before a couple of guys in the hood, they got murdered. I was outside. I seen a lot of shit that niggas that was hating was in the house. I was in the street because I was a loner. And I always used to sneak out the house and, and you know, go find, go look. Just, I was just looking, very observing. Because I couldn't do what other people d- could do. I wasn't allowed certain things. That's the only thing I, I appreciate my mother. She didn't allow me to be around a lot of people. She used to keep me away. Even as we came up, I used to be the one that was stuck in the house. So I always used to think that maybe I was special because I was kept away from a lot of things that I know I would have progressed in. If I had the opportunity as a coming up, I would have been successful now because I know the job that I have now. So you give me this same drive 10 years ago, I would be successful now. I move right along. As I moved out to 89, I ended up getting locked up. I moved to Soundview with a girl Named Joanne Grant from uh she was from Alabama. Her family was from Alabama, North Carolina. Uh she moved there, I guess she moved to the Bronx and uh you know, and I met her but before we moved over there, once again I forgot about the uh let me tell you about my brother. Only one brother we moved from Burnside to Harrison, and we ended up going to Highbridge from there. From Rural Clemente State Park, Rural Hot Towers, I mentioned that already. But my brother got hit by a car. I remember this clear as day. Front of the building, he's playing tag, I guess with somebody, and, uh, and a car hit him. And his leg got caught in the car, so long story short, he ended up suing. And as he transpired to getting his money, he became the main focus as a child. Because that's when the greed kicked in in the parent. He was no longer one of the children. He was now an individual because he had something to offer to the parent, to my mother. So guess what? I ain't get looked at as nothing. I was just there. It was like I'm in the way now. Why are you still here? You know what I mean? 
But you know, God always carried me through. You know, I used to get my little whippings and all that, but nothing too crazy. Never got abused or none of that. So, never see my mom on heavy drugs. But the thing was that she was very conniving. You know, the power of a dollar would turn anybody against their own child. And I seen it. So I'm here to let you know what I seen. But like I said, the grace of God always kept me safe. It was around that period of time my brother got hit by a car. We moved to Highbridge, and he had a lawyer on one for a knife. And Third Avenue, they used to give him money here and there, 18, to make sure he was good. So before he made sure everybody was good, what she should have did, because it was only a small number of us in the household, she made sure he was all right and let him do what he wanted to do. But that goes to show you that, you know, selfishness comes from inside the household. If you're not taught other than that, and it's said inside the household, is different. Being taught to share and being said to share is two different things. We was said to, you better share. But did it happen? No, it didn't happen. Because if it did, I wouldn't be here with this fucking story. But this is real shit, so. This is real rugged, raw, and to the point. So... As that, so I, once I seen that, I said, "Hold on, what can I do to get money?" I start selling papers because you know, after a while, you start drawing so much money out before you get the lawsuit, before you can take out a lump sum. They slow it down for you, so I guess they got to the max to where they couldn't get no money no more until my brother turned of age. So guess what? Everything start flopping. You know what I mean? And everything started becoming on me. You know? So by the time then, I guess the money was running out. And I was running out. My patience was running out. I said, I can't take this no more. I'm getting, you know, getting in trouble for no reason. I used to, didn't want to go home to the point I brought the cops home with me at one time. Like, a lot of stuff that I I just didn't want to be in that household with my mother because... She wasn't a mother in the sense of nurturing a child. She was just there in the essence of a shadow, like she's there. She was there to patronize me, though. Never, never, I love you. None of that in my household. So I find it hard for myself to love now. But we'll get into that also. So... I started selling papers and, and doing my thing to make money. So as time going by, guess what? I start being the good one. I ran into teachers, tell me I'm gonna be, you're gonna be successful. I ran into teachers, take me shopping. Shout out to Miss McCarthy. Shout out to Miss Elaine for my building on the fourth floor. She had a bunch of daughters and uh, my my aunt Perlene. She used to take care of my aunt Perlene, and it was just a blessing because. Every time this lady would come around and take care of my aunt, I would end up being around her all the time. And I always loved my aunt Pearlene because she was very different. And she was a lady that I would always wanted my mother to be. Someone that was outgoing and always working. I remember my aunt Pearlene, I think she would, did a lot of security work. Security guard, stuff like that. But she always had a job, always kept her hair nice. You know, she was just a good person all around that I would want want my mother to have been so that way I could have been a greater individual 
of what I am now. You know, just knowing stuff at a young age and coming up and now and coming coming of age would be a lot greater. Cause it takes it put a lot more on you and takes a lot from you. Even though we may be stuck in our ways, but we can learn a lot from then to now. But she didn't really teach me nothing. So whatever I learned, I saw it. I wasn't taught it. And being the fact that my mind was always open to expand, I saw it. Perfected it and did it. I was never one of the kids that liked to go to school. I would joke a lot in class and make everyone laugh, but I would always do my work and pass with flying colors. But I just couldn't sit in school anymore. It just wasn't for me. I didn't, I found it boring, and I didn't find it to the fact of what I'm thinking of. All the time I was young, I always think, damn, how can I have money without asking my mother? Or how can I have money without asking others? These are the thoughts for a child that's coming up and not knowing nothing in the world besides you're here. Not being taught nothing. Even in the schools, we're taught nothing. I was taught nothing. But I still passed everything. I never see myself going to college. I always see myself trying to retain riches. And as I went along, that's what I see I try to do. I end up selling drugs. I end up selling drugs in Bronx Park East, Uptown Bronx. Uh, I think I was 16, 17, maybe. So I end up fucking around. Matter of fact, I was like 17. I was Uptown in Soundview. Selling weed for this weed doing in dread. And um it didn't work out good there. It was another Jamaican there. He wanted to just you know, he he wasn't liking the situation anyway. So he ended up robbing the spot. I left. I went to Cleveland. And uh that was that. But my mind state never left me for trying to retain the dollar. Never left me. So I went uptown selling drugs over there, Bronx Park East, from Bronx Park East. I was on 157, 156 in Grand Avenue. Then from there, I ended up going out of town to Albany. Then from there, I just went to Utica. Didn't like the vibe out there. So I came back home. So I was successful at home most of the time. My friend used to be like, why do you want to come out of town? You get $150 off a gram. I'm like, why should I do that? I'm getting that right here in my projects. This was at a time when everybody was buying sneakers. I would eventually take my money and go to car spots and look at cars and see what they take my dollar. I would eventually put a car on layaway like it was a chain or like it was a pair of sneakers that I once previously did in my life. My brother had got money. Yeah, he bought all his friend's stuff and get it. I had to put my sneakers on layaway. Ain't that a bitch. But anyway, so as time going along, I start really knowing how to hustle. So I have a daughter, my first daughter. I met the girl that I was telling y'all. She was from Alabama. I met her when she was pregnant, moved to my house. And uh, my mom wasn't too wary about that, but uh, 
I told the girl, to my mother that the girl, baby was mine. So my mom's let us stay. I ended up getting into some trouble. She, we moved to Samuel. She moved to Cleveland. That's how I ended up hustling to Samuel because she, she moved back to Cleveland and left me the apartment in Samuel. So I still continue my robbing spree in Samuel, robbing cabs and stuff like that until I maintain the proper way to get money. And that was never at that time. But the mind training thought I never left me, so I started getting right. Made a little left turn, ended up getting locked up in 93. That's when it all went bad for me. And I got a chance to see what life being in prison is like. I left downstate. They sent me to a Great Meadows Correctional Facility. I'll never forget my numbers, 93863380. It's like you're a number once you're in the system. It's kind of like slavery. They just call you by a docket number. But I ended up going through all that because my lessons at home wasn't taught the right way. You know, if I was taught the right way, I'd have did better. But eventually I would get out of jail and uh, start doing the same thing over and over. But it's slow pace. I end up going to Cleveland from jail and uh, my kid's mom's she was messing with this guy I think his name was Lance when I got there and she could have told me you know I was uh, messing with somebody so in Cleveland she ended up getting me a job at the Holiday Inn I was there for a minute and I still didn't feel the vibe what was going on so I ended up messing with a girl named Marie that was, I guess, was a friend of hers that worked at the job. But she was a nice girl, and she accepted me, even though she knew my baby mother, because they previously worked together. But I'm like, I'm out here in Cleveland. I don't know nobody. I need someone to vibe with so I fall go crazy. So I ended up dealing with Marie a couple of times. She did have a nice water bed in the house. You know what I mean? She was from Euclid, Ohio. Shout out to you. And then I... Start working at McDonald's. So as I start picking up in life, I start seeing the value of a dollar as far as working with people. Working for people, I didn't accept that at all because I didn't like nobody telling me what to do as far as working for them. So once again, I'll never forget. My, my retaining the money and riches to myself never changed my train of thought. Even though I worked with somebody, I always had this mind state of, I work for you. I work with you. I don't work for you. Once you ever become to the mind state of you work for a person, you'll be comfortable for the rest of your life doing that. I'm not comfortable doing that. So after I doing that, guess what? I come back to New York City. I start working in the stores, buffing floors and everything. Got 16 members, I'm a manager, you know, I'm starting to make my way up in life. And then a roadblock come. A guy come, damn, bro, you want to go out of town? I go out of town, shit getting crazy, I'm getting a couple dollars, I'm learning shit. This is my first time out of town. And the people my own sick me out of town, they jerking me. So I'm sending them money over and over. So I said, fuck it, I'm going to get my own shit. You know what I mean? This had to be about 98 or something. Remember, from 89, 
to 89 to 90, 91, 93, I was getting in trouble. So you figure I had to slow down and they sat me down for two years. Did two years, came home, went to Cleveland. From Cleveland, I moved to Queens. But from that time I moved back, I was always working. I was on parole for a minute in Queens. Ran to a nice lady in Queens. She was real nice, spiritual, Jamaican woman. And she always told me, never mess with a woman if they can't do nothing for you. So I always kept that mindset also. So, shout out to her, Julie. But back to the hustle. So I started hustling to Albany, sending these people money. Then I said, fuck it, I'm doing it myself. I started doing it so good. Hustling so good because, like I said, I always had that mindset of keep my own money. I stopped. I start stop selling this shit. Start selling my own shit. Like fuck it. I'm giving them. I'm giving back their money. Whatever they I owe them. I didn't owe them nothing. I give them what I had to give them, and that was that. I started doing my thing. You know what I mean? Start bubbling. I'm up here ten years now, doing my thing. Whatever. But, but that thing of getting money got me to a stuck because while I always had the thought of getting money and never asked anybody for nothing, I never had the thought of getting money and investing in anything. So I was kind of foolish with my money when I was making it. I was investing my money into sneakers, to fresh clothes, to rentals, to the weed, man. Stuff like that that was not essential to me making my money back. You know, so we get caught up in that wave of just having money and not having nothing to do with it besides spending it and looking good. So I was caught up in that wave. Now I'm out that wave, but, you know, that's just one part of the story. So I hope you all enjoyed that and um, and like what's going on. And always feel free to comment. And every day I should give you another half an hour. I'm going to give you a 10 parts of this, man. To let you know. This part ended off in Albany, New York. After I left Queens. And went to the Bronx. After I left Cleveland. This is part one of my story. Coming up in the Bronx as a young black teen. And still lost in the world of trying to become a man. Shout out to you for listening. Leave a comment. Thank you.